I think it's funny her name's Sky and she ended up becoming part of it. Uh, but <laughs> it, listen, we go to the scene that's important after this. Hetch just ran away. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra Arcane Recap Episode 8. We're back. I'm your host, Ryan, with the other host, Hedge. We knew we would be back. I mean, we said we would, and we watched the episode and we came back. Like, There's no time for games here. Yeah. The, what, did you think this was a game? No, League of Legends is the game. This is a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I won't say that I'm conducting the hype train because I promised I wouldn't scream into my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> And one thing a podcast has is uh, housekeeping. So up top, you can listen to us everywhere. As always, that hasn't changed. Visit us at podcastcore.com for all of our info. Then follow us on any platform you prefer. It's your choice. Um, we have all of them there. And then you can send us an email at podcastcore at gmail.com if you want to you know, say something, want us to read it out on the show or answer a question. Uh, but you can also leave a like, which is appreciated, follow, and a short review slash comment um, to do the same thing. Uh, but the best way is to pick a friend and tell them to continue the glorious evolution by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Yes, the evolution's upon us. But we can't get too excited yet because it's as far as this episode, we open up with finally getting some background to our favorite lady of this show. Yeah, and once again... Um, We've changed our mind on the flashbacks. It, it, the more episodes we got, the more we understood the reason they were doing it and how they were kind of pacing their episodes. Yeah. So it makes sense here. They've been consistent. Um, like yeah, if you're gonna, exactly. if I can't be too butthurt if it's consistent. Yeah, and and the good thing about this flashback is it does a great job of obscuring. So we get to see Mel in some sort of warrior type situation we have like a throne that's broken um you see blood possible coup possible violence obviously but they keep it a little bit vague here we get the color red which is a giveaway um and we've had noxus mentioned in the show in the past we really haven't had any other um region mentioned so you know standard storytelling if you bring it up use it right Yep. Um, but it does kind of leave a little bit here where you're like, maybe it's Solari because of her, what Mel's wearing was in interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Her but chest piece like, has like a sun in it. And I was like, oh no, it's possible she could be Solari. Yeah. Which would and, be Targon. And, and then like, we also had the thoughts as far as like, like me reaching out towards maybe like Akathia or Ishtali yeah. because like the metal inlaid. Yeah. Um, but then as far as in this scene, we get to see the soldiers in red. Yep. And then... Um, as far as who we are, like, we only have a shadow at this point, but who we're led to believe is Mel's mom, because she says, I could give my daughter the throne. And Mel responds, you would give me the throne. Yeah. And so mom ends up killing the, whichever ruler this is. And that blade is straight up exactly like Talon's blade. Yep. And like I saw it, I was like, Talon, wait, what? And it's like, okay, okay, I know who she works for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a great opening scene, especially introducing this um strong character. We don't get to see her face yet, um, but she's massive compared to Mel. 
Um, Massive. Yeah. And then um, we shift to, oh, go ahead. Yeah. The, and one important thing to note here is that we also get a mention of a brother by the name yes. of Kino. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, he's just brought up a name and that's it. Uh, that's, that's it. And then we, that cuts us forward back into the present. And as far as for the present, we get to see Vi and Caitlin make it home. Or, well, make it into Piltover at yeah. least. <laughs> yeah. That, that in addition with the Silco Jinx scene, right? Where this finally answers, I think this pretty much puts to rest our thoughts on, okay, is he genuine or is this malicious? And it's genuine. Like he is, when he sees Jinx, he sees the condition she's in, even when he finds out that she was able to snatch the core from Echo in the final moments, he's not so much cared about the core, right? Which would be the malicious part. He's worried about Jinx's well-being first. And putting her before his goal, that's an obvious true um, caring uh, personality trait. It's the first time, too, that we've actually seen him put anything before his goal, too. Yep. Uh, like the closest that we've gotten to this before is episode three when he is trying to like find a common ground with Vander yeah. and bring Vander onto his side. And that's, that's it. Like, so th it's, this is genuine. And uh, I'm glad that we were really talking about it a lot last episode and they just like, Nope, we got there the answer. Know. Like the fact that we can have that conversation immediately get an answer. That's just good storytelling and pacing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you know, just to go a little bit deeper, this is this kind of solidifies what we thought about Jinx being an extension of Silco's relationship with Vander. Because even though Silco had to do what he had to do, classic mobster type style, he cared about Vander. I know that it's weird, but it's like she is an extension of him in some respect, which probably lends more to how um, invested he is in her well being. Uh, but yeah. We we get we get to see Jace too see what happened. And this is the first time he's and Vi mentions this as well. Or I forgot if it's not Vi. Um somebody mentions this to Jace that he essentially gets to sit in his ivory tower and make calls. I think it's Vi. Um and not get to see the carnage that he's causing. He's like, Yeah, that's how it works, right? Um, but we get to see him finally see the results of his actions um in person and he vomits. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have it written down here that he's ha he's holding up about as well as you'd expect, uh, <laughs> and uh, and this is also like a, a good like uh, like call out as far as two Mills flashback too because it was uh, her mom saying that hey you know I my dad wanted to teach me what death is like yeah and then that was Mel's lesson into death. And this is Jace's lesson into death. Like, and so it's kind of like this little progression of like, okay, this is how we're going to be telling the story. But um, now it's like, okay, hey, even though he's seen the battlefield, we just, it's like, well, nothing's changed in reality. Yeah. Blockades are still up. We just got to put a new blockade here because this one got blown to hell. <laughs> and it's time for you to go back and decide what our next move is. Yeah. And and then we move to Vi and Caitlin, obviously moving into Piltover uh, and she brings her home. Right. And it's funny. She's like, wait, is this a counselor's house? Like, whose room is this? It's like, oh, no, it's just her bedroom. Right. Of, of this massive house. <laughs> Vi's face is so priceless in this scene of just like of Caitlin's mom, like kicking in the door, holding them at gunpoint. Yeah. And then like the realization of like, 
this is your room. Uh, it, like the, I, I had a really good laugh at this scene and it was needed because it was, this whole episode just started off heavy as hell. Yeah. Um, but then like we do get to see like Kate, a bit more of Caitlin's parents yes. and that Caitlin's mom, like she's clearly got onto the council seat for good reason. She's already, you know, like she's not just chastising Caitlin. She yeah. is like, okay, here's all the information I know. Give me the information you have now with these two, these bits of information. I believe this should be our next course of action. And poor dad is pulling shrapnel out of Caitlin's leg, <laughs> looking at mom going, maybe rest is an option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but one, one side note I wanted to mention last episode in this episode, I've been kind of paying attention to like Caitlin's features and seeing her father this close up. I have the speculation that her father looks Ionian. And when I say that is because if you listen to our Ionian episodes um, or even some of our Damasia episodes, like we talk like Garen episode, we talk about like Xin Zhao, right? And we talk about how Ionians tend to go on adventures into other regions and tend to live with those regions, bring a lot of teaching teachings of like Eastern medicine and Eastern thoughts and Eastern religion um, in the grand scheme of things, right? So it's cool that her features are very distinct and very related to her father compared to other people in Piltover. I just yeah. wanted to bring that up. This is just a speculation on my part. And I mean, we and we do know that like there's a lot of different characters that interact between like Ionia and Piltover with like Shin, Zed, and Jen's lore because their story takes them to Piltover. Yeah. And then that's where they end up running into a bunch of different characters. Yep. But that that's gonna be episodes for another time. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll get there. Yeah. Th so this scene just ends with um with Mama Kiramon uh, saying, Okay, you and Vi will present your case to the council. So rest up and be ready to see the council in the morning. Yep. Uh, then we get to see Doctor, it's Doctor to you, singed uh, and Soko interacting here. And essentially he rushes in. He's like, listen, I need your help. I need, like, she needs to be saved. I can't, I can't lose her kind of thing. And Singed is like, all right, whatever. But listen, you know what you're signing up for. Uh, and in doing so, he grabs a syringe, which we think he's going to inject Jinx with, but injects Silco with. And it's like a sedative of some sort. And while he's falling asleep, he mentions, I have a daughter or had a daughter once kind of thing. And I think it's because he knows what he's about to do to Jinx would set Silco off. So he's kind of putting him in a relaxed yeah, and, state. And before he even mentions that he had a daughter before he even says, I'm doing this for your sanity. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it, it was definitely presented in a very malicious way, <laughs> yeah. but it, I like, once we get deeper into the episode, we'll kind of see since, um, motives a little bit more clearly, but overall, the scene is really quick. Yeah. Um, and then that takes us into back to the lanes and specifically into the last drop and we get to see the uh finn who was yeah. on the zonite council or at least like one of the crime mobsters yeah um so finn ends up approaching savika yeah and is trying to undermine savika's relationship with silco um, which obviously he called that meeting before because he was dissatisfied with yeah. Silco's uh, way of handling Zon, and this blockade is bad for business. And we, 
And when we go back to the top side, we'll see people complaining there that the blockade's bad for business. Listen, like, coups are very popular in Runeterra. <laughs> and we're as not even are, in Noxus. <laughs> yeah, as they are in the real world, but we won't go there. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of Noxus, this Ooh. takes us back to top side. We get to see in full color, bright light, Mel's mom coming off of his ship. To Mel's surprise, she's not supposed to be there, but we get a lot here. Um, from her mom, which is, it, it's funny how this exposition is done because her mom is a very straightforward brass person. So it fits, right? It's like, hey, she's going to tell you what's up, why she's here early. And there's really nothing you're going to do about it. Um, but we get to see her mom is a brute. Like she is Noxian to the core. We get to hear about like what's happened to her brother. Um, she mentions that her brother's passed away, getting involved with the wrong people. Um if you listen to our Noxus episodes, you'll know all about that. Uh, so there's yep. a lot of there's a lot of foreshadowing, most likely, and and that's great because we even have more Noxus episodes coming up in the future yep. because Noxus always gets the backseat on this channel. <laughs> Noxus fans, we haven't forgotten about you. We just don't care. We just don't care. <laughs> Hey, you know, Arcane premieres, Noxus takes a backseat. <laughs> it's like Arcane's trying to force us, like, listen, casuals, all right? You guys <laughs> now have to do more Noxus stuff. We're forcing your hand. Um, but yeah, so her mom kind of is a straightforward here. We get a good sense of her personality. And what we also get is that Mel's mom is the actual one pushing for war. So it's not Mel's personality. It was her goal. She was sent here, banished, exiled, quote unquote, to kind of bring the mentality and the bidding of Noxes to Piltover um, through the council. So that's a huge revelation for us because this whole time we thought it was her own motivations. Yeah. And, and it's very interesting, too, because the like she's constantly had been saying that she wants to put Piltover on the map. And I I don't know if like introducing a civil war within the city limits is the best way to put it on the map, but how very Noxian of you. I guess. <laughs> um, and the worst part of this whole scene for me though, is that mama Bedarda ends up leaving with an escort and it was not a Yordle escort. Like no. Riot did not put so much work into these <laughs> Yordle prostitutes for Mama Madarda to just ignore them. Okay. <laughs> I've said my piece. So this takes us to a, you know, a, a nice scene. We get to see a very intimate moment between Kat and Vi. This one's obviously for the fans. Um, but there's there's some important stuff here, right? We we get to see Vi kind of dig back into her feelings for because it's been a while, right? It's been a while since she's been really emotional and kind of let everything sink in and just talk about something to someone. Um, it's been a lot of fist throwing, right? Uh, and that's cool to see the core of Vi's morality because she is good deep down there. Remember, they're good kids. We've said this from the beginning. Um, so this is a really cool scene. And I think we got a scuttle crab reference, which as a jungler. Um, Vi talks about how her and Pouty used to pretend to be monsters and she pretended to be a giant um, goop-eating crab with spikes on its back. That's a scuttle crab, baby. 
Yep. Uh, I I would argue that it, we've seen Vi being emotional this whole time. It's just that her only emotion is anger. Um, <laughs> so uh, this this True. is a scene where we get to see her be vulnerable. There she, you go. Yes. She is not really opened up to anyone before. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know, like, even during this scene, I was like, I don't think we can say, like... I don't think we could say that this is just for the fans anymore because, and like, I was already thinking that during this scene. Yeah. And when we get deeper into this episode, I think people will agree with me that it's not just for the fans anymore. I think it's canon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going with it. Um, but no, it's very well done. It's not, it's not tasteless in any, in any factor. They worked for yeah. this um, um, throughout this. The last episode, we had a call out for Twitter to not glorify the relationship between Silco and Jinx. Yeah. But you can glorify the, like these scenes with Caitlin and Vi. This is healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and something that's not healthy is holy transition Batman. Dude. There, so there's a scene where after Vi kind of speaks her mind, she, you know, grabs um, Caitlin's hand and kind of it. She takes a look at Caitlyn and immediately it's like a bittersweet moment because she smiles and then the smile twist into Jinx on the surgery table getting juiced by Shimmer and it is one of the it literally made me jump it wasn't a scare thing it was just like oh my god that is that's emotion an emotional switch that I don't like. <laughs> Did it make you feel I was good? not on this page. I was <laughs> exactly. not on this page. But also, there should have been like a whole warning. <laughs> like it was, it was very jarring. And then not only, yeah. not only is Jinx, not only is Jinx uh, on the slab, but she's starting Return to hallucinate. The slab. Return the oh, slab. Oh, my curse. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Stop showing our age. Um, but uh, but then, like, as far as with Jinx coming to, she's having these shimmer-induced hallucinations. Yeah. As far as, like, to her being a kid with Vi and Vi saying, Powder, Powder, you're stronger than you look. And then instead of it being her and Vi, it's suddenly Vi and Caitlyn, and Caitlyn's got all the shimmer, and Caitlyn's injecting her. And... I like this. If I was having that kind of hallucination and I was having to endure the pain of life saving narcotics, yeah, um, yeah, I'd probably go a little crazy too. So, <laughs> this is definitely answering some questions. Uh, one thing it does answer in my mind, and I'm thankful for this, is I don't think Riot is working towards a quote unquote happy ending here. This is a beginning to something greater. Because this can't, we, we've now reached the point of no return for Jinx. There's no coming back from this type of push with her current psyche. We know what Shimmer does to the brain. We know what Shimmer does to the body. And it's it's going to get bad. And so prepare yourself. We haven't done episode nine yet, but I, I'm I'm ready to cry. I'm ready. Uh, yeah, because every other ending has been so happy in these three series. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. I love this comedy arcade <laughs> by Riot. This comedy. So we get to uh, a shift then to Heimer in the slums. What for? What seems like the first time. So Heimer has been around since Piltover, but the way he's walking through the slums and looking at people is in a way that it's almost like he forgot, right? Being on the council so long, being kind of up in the ivory tower, Heimer's kind of lost touch. 
and you can see it in like there's no voice really there's not not a lot of voice lines it's just you can see it in the way it's presented um that he is literally shocked like oh shit how did we let it get this bad yeah and i i just wrote down here that heimer is just so cool because even though he is going through this like at this point this foreign land yeah um and he does look just so out of place but he also looks very disturbed by it and despite how disturbed he is when he like is approached by a young kid who does treat him with a sense of generosity and kindness he just immediately is like yeah check out this toy yeah and it's just like yeah heimerdinger's he's a cool dude yeah He's just like, yeah, I, despite, no matter how uncomfortable I am, I'm not going to forget who I am. And that's an important lesson in just a very small scene with, like, no dialogue. Exactly. Um, but then as far as his journey through Zaun, he ends up finding well, – tra- he ends up traveling back to Piltover because no one wants him in Zaun because – get out of here, you damn Pilty. <laughs> um <laughs> And on his way back, he decides to take the scenic route under a bridge and checks upon a cool-looking hoverboard. Yeah. And then runs in with the hoverboard's owner in Echo. Hey. And we get a little insight here into something that fits within the political scene here is Piltover Healthcare. Um, when, you know, one thing that's common is people who grow up in impoverished environments, you know, marginalized groups, uh, tend to avoid healthcare-based situations because it never works in their favor. And Echo is just like exuding that very common thing, right? Where he's obviously in pain, he needs help, he knows he has to get back. Um, and when uh, Heimer mentions, we gotta get you to hospital, he's like, oh, no, 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 we can't do that, we can't do that. Which makes sense with all the context we have, right? So I thought that was a neat little touch there. Yeah. Uh, and I also love just their interactions because of how how quickly Heimerdinger acknowledges Echo's intelligence. Yes. Um, yep. Just with a quick, ver- like three lines of dialogue discussing the hoverboard. Um, and that shows as far as his work with Victor, because he took a kid out of Zaun yeah. and brought him into the academy because he recognizes greatness. Um, this is a cool little scene because it just it brings up a lot of what if questions. We know what happens to echo we know what happens to heimerdinger we know that this their paths don't cross too much more after this but this is a cool scene of just like what what if what what if heimerdinger brought him back to the academy what if echo just ended up being a a prep school kid and just riding his hoverboard to class like yeah yeah, it, it, it was a cool little thing that they did with a very short amount of time yeah and we get after this a hop to jace and this is this moment there's a lot going on here, and there's there's a bit that really stands out to me, but we get Jace meeting Mel's mom, and he immediately knows. After talking to her for like two seconds, he's like, oh, shit, you're Mel's mom. <laughs> like It's kind of hard. She stands out. She definitely stands out. Um, but it's one of those things where the dialogue between the two is the important part because Jace, now that's Counselor Talos, Jace, um, he's trying to play the strong man where her mom is the strong man and she's kind of calling him on his bullshit. It's like, no, you listen, I get what you're trying to do, but I've been around the block a couple times and you're just playing a bit part. And one thing we're starting to learn here is that Jace's negative quality is that he's very impressionable. 
So nothing he really does is rooted in anything, right? He he switches kind of based on the situation and anyone who challenges him based on where he is at at that point as he, you know, personality-wise, he immediately shifts, right? To kind of try to fit a form that he thinks. So it's almost like somebody who's lost in who they should be. Uh, and I thought that came out very well in this scene and the following scene we'll talk about. It, it came out great. And it makes sense that it, that they would highlight how impressionable he is. Because at the beginning of this episode with Mel's flashback, she was taught that a good leader is someone who you can mold into what you want. Yep. Like a good leader is someone that you control from behind the scenes. Yep. And that's what she built Jace up to be. Um, now, before we leave this scene, I do want to correct you real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said Jace Talos. It's Jace Talos. Oh, Talos. Sorry, Talos. And yeah. you said Talos because I know you. Yeah, hail the sun. And you love bringing up. <laughs> hail the I, sun, God. You always keep breaking up <laughs> Elder Scroll deities. <laughs> <laughs> we like our listeners. Don't screw with our <laughs> listeners like you do with random people. You don't know. <laughs> Listen, I'm always slipping propaganda in there. We're talking about plugs over, baby. You gotta do it. <laughs> so this takes us to the council meeting and it extends what Hetch said because Mel really doesn't have any lines here. It's just her facial reaction gets a lot of camera time because she's seeing Jace now doing his next shift in personality, reflecting what her mom. She's like, oh, shit, he talked to my mom. And then we'll go ahead. Uh, Not only is it, oh, shit, he talked to my mom, but we also see that Mel like ends up going against her original build because of this. It's almost like a knee jerk reaction to crap. My mom has. That has yes. control of this situation now. I don't want that. No, no war. We're not doing war. My mom will not have her way. It's one of those things where when you have a negative trait or when you have something that you can't see until you see it in someone else, you get that realization of, oh, shit, that's what I've been doing. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> we got this shit. No, 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 no. And that goes all the way back to what his what her mom said about being a great manipulator is her mom's been around the block. Like this is what Noxians do daily. So of course she would be caught in the, uh, in the effects of exactly what her mother planned. Yeah. And the council is trying to reach a decision when they are interrupted by Caitlin and Vi. Mm -hmm. And this interruption is important because where they're finding this, trying to find common ground as far as making a decision is they're talking about how they were betrayed by the sheriff. And everyone knows about Marcus's betrayal now because he winds up dead on a bridge yeah. uh, in his own blockade. What the heck did you do, guy? Um, and as far as with the interruption, Caitlin presents her evidence that Silco has been behind everything. We've done investigations into Silco. Yeah, yeah but Marcus led the investigations, you dummies. <laughs> and so... With this information and all of the evidence that Caitlin brings forward, the council still almost unanimously decides to try to talk with the Zonites. It's like, we, we don't want to go to war. We don't want any more violence. We should just parlay with Silco to reach a discord. And then we get a nice scene of Vi just finally, you know, stepping up being like, no, that, like, trying to give the perception of the people that they're trying to approach, which is 
we hate you. Yeah. We hate you and we will not talk. And if you think that we're going to talk, people are going to die. And then they are just like, okay, get out of here. Get out of here, you plebeian. <laughs> Which I'm sure that's not going to bite anyone in the ass. <laughs> as far not. as, yeah, like, our chance to actually listen to the other side, let's just ignore that so that we can talk over them and tell them what we want. Exactly. Uh, um, Classic that, politics. Yeah, that kind of just ends like this quick little council scene. And then we get this nice little um, kind of like very dramatic, very teen romance-esque scene of Vi leaving the council and then like going off to try to figure out how to proceed with her plans and Caitlin chasing after her. And of course their conversations in the rain. Um, I hang on, let me check my notes here. What, what did I write down? <laughs> I wrote down. Oh, this is what I wrote down. Damn it. Riot. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Listen, we've had a few cliche. Listen, there's a lot of episodes. They're very long episodes. We're going to get some tropes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but the yeah. line that stands out here is Caitlin saying, "What about us?" Which pretty much solidifies it right in stone. Yeah, uh, which uh, in my notes, I, I don't tell my friends what about us. Like that's not how I talk to my friends. I don't think you've ever said that to me, <laughs> <laughs> and I know I've never said that to you. I'm gonna say that from now on. Though. You know that, right? <laughs> uh, and then not only do I have "What about us?" in my notes too, but uh, after that, I have "What about us." Caitlin, Jeebus Crust Rito. <laughs> um, but now we get to what is probably the most important thing in this episode to me. Is Victor which going is, back to base to buy an item? <laughs> is Victor backing to upgrade his, <laughs> to boots. his upgrade? Um, Your two boots, baby. Gotta, gotta get them boots, baby. But we know that he didn't actually buy boots. He took the uh, the runes as far as having magical footwear. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. And <laughs> we get to see the beginning of Victor's experiments paying off. So all of these runes that he carved into his own leg yeah. have transformed his leg into something that works. And he ditches the cane and is able to start running, which uh, as far as um, if anyone out there has, has suffered like a debilitating injury, like the first thing that you want to do when you start on a path of recovery is just something that you is normal and it just feels incredible. And they do a good job of the scene of just like, of like Victor, just like, yes, I'm doing it. And uh, yeah, uh, as you know, that he's going to stop there. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. As somebody who's had two knee surgeries, I'm down for the glorious evolution. It makes sense. All right. So <laughs> we get a follow-up scene here, which is very emotional because that running scene, because remember this is the first time he's ran in his life, um, immediately in his head is like, okay, it's worth it, right? This is the first time he's done it to a point of it being effective. He has a process and now he's committed. Um, and that results in a interesting scene. So we end up getting Victor back at the hex core, carving more runes into his body. Uh, and this time, basically, just all over. Yeah, like we get, we do get a shot of him just like kind of jacking himself up. And while he is prepping himself for the hex core, he's realizing he doesn't have any more shimmer, but he still decides to proceed through it. This whole time, 
we get every 30 seconds or so a quick a quick little cutaway to his secret admirer trying to like work up the courage to tell victor about this project she's been working on yeah just as an excuse <laughs> to spend some alone time with victor so here in comes his secret admirer sky yeah and she's like okay victor i've got this thing i've been working on and then there's a bloodied up victor getting absorbed yeah. by the hex core and she decides to try to save him and here's a fun fact the hex has been interacting and destroying all <laughs> organic matter <laughs> Her body is made of organic matter. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Miscalculation. <laughs> yeah, so she gets disintegrated, essentially. Um, I think it's funny her name's Sky, and she ended up becoming part of it. Uh, but <laughs> it, listen, we go to the scene that's important after this. Hatch just ran away. <laughs> he had to get as far away from the mic as possible. <laughs> <laughs> you did not just say become part of the sky. <laughs> so, so we get into an important scene here, which as far as dialogue boils down to Vi going into Jace's forge and looking at him and be like, listen, stop being a bitch. You've been your ivory tower this whole time causing nothing but trouble. It's time to get your hands dirty. I don't care about all this politics. Let's go. She picks up the gauntlets. We get those introductions. We see um, Jace forging his hammer finally. And we even have a shot of his forging hammer, the small one. And it looks just like a smaller rendition of his bigger hammer. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I, and a direct quote from Vi from the scene. Uh, Fuck the council. <laughs> uh, so we end up just getting a nice little change into some direct action. So Jace and Vi decide to go against the council's wishes. Jace builds up a task force and they are going to take on uh, the shimmer at its source. Yep. They're going to a manufacturing plant. So with this nice big task force of enforcers led by Jason Vi, they end up taking it over, getting everyone under control. And one kid decides to hit an alarm. And then we get to see some shimmer infused guards. Yeah. I don't want to break too much of this fight down. Yep. Watch it. If you Sakuga. In, even if you've watched it and you want me to impart some more onto it, I can. Like <laughs> this is this has been my favorite fight scene so far. But classic uh, the only nerf by nerf Jace, you know the rules. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you know the rules. God no. Do, do people still think Nerf Vi? Like, come on, that <laughs> that poor girl has been jacked up in every other role other than jungle, and she's not even the best at that. Um, but yeah, the 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 scene with Jace hitting that kid, and it's funny because his reaction to accidentally shooting the kid with a beam versus Vi's reaction is like Vi sees this type of shit every day, right? Where Jace, it's really hitting him. Like the bridge hit him one way, but this is another kind of icing on the cake that allows him to look around him finally and say, oh shit, this isn't good, right? It's almost in that moment, his look as he looks at the people of Zaun is similar to Heimer going back into the slums, right? It's the realization of we got this wrong, um, which is good. This is good when fascism is happening. When they start to yeah. realize, oh no, this is bad. And I mean, poor 
Jace. Yeah. How much growth this guy's had to go through in like a week of being on the council. It's like, man, I just, I, I know I just started this job, but can I have a couple days off? <laughs> <laughs> and We've all worked a job like it. Yeah. Before we move to the final scene, I want to mention that we'll, I want to reiterate again that Riot's not holding back with how they represent themes here. And I respect that. It's done tastefully. It is very, you know, like there should be probably some trigger warnings um, associated when people watch this stuff. If you haven't watched it yet, because like seeing kids dying so often, like on camera um, is something you don't see often. Right. And see in a respectable way. That's not used cheaply. And they use it to convey certain like, they're like this is serious. We want you to understand this is a very real thing to these people. And what it will do to these characters. So I just want to say, like, I respect the way they've been handling it up to this point. Yeah, I, I'm excited, though, as far as like, I, I doubt it'll happen in episode nine. But I'm hoping that Arcane has a future as far as coming out with some more shows. Yes. And one of the reasons I think that they I may say, have a future. <laughs> and one of the but one of the reasons I'm excited yeah. to see if they do more with it is because the guards that they're fighting in this scene, they all move like Warwick. Yep. And we've been mentioning how Warwick could show up in all this. We keep bringing up that it's like, okay, Shimmer is how they made Warwick. I just want to see Warwick. We just want to see. Show it to us. Show it to us. Because then, like, watching them fight, I was like, could you imagine (laughs) if Warwick just came out from nowhere all of a sudden in this? I would have have pooped my pants immediately. What what we do see, though, to wrap this episode up, is that we get Caitlyn in the shower, not in a creepy way, but in a classic slasher film thriller way. What up? Almost creepy, though. Almost creepy? Okay. Almost creepy. The camera angles made it a little sus. <laughs> but we get the scene of her in the shower kind of going back over the memory of Vi walking away, trying to rewind it in her mind um, as if it never happened. And then she goes to the mirror. She looks up. The fog clears. And there's a jinx symbol, a classic graffiti on the on the mirror. We get a shot of the mirror in the reflection. And oh, no, look out behind you. We see glowing purple eyes. <laughs> The call's coming from inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where we're left. And man, this is, listen, we always talk about how the second episode in the act is usually a weird one or kind of falls short comparatively. But this is like, all right, we know we're getting to the end because they're not holding anything back anymore. This was so much better than the second episodes in act one and two. Yes. Like hands down. There's a lot of, a lot going on and I loved every second of it. Um, and yeah, I'm going to stop talking so that we can go watch it. (laughs) Yeah, let's end this thing. So as always, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with the final arcane recap episode, uh, but not the final arcane content. Come on. There's going to be a lot to talk about after this, but we're going to go watch this and then we're going to come back and let you guys know what up. Mm -hmm. What up? All right. Take care, everybody.